Hey there, Laker fans. Welcome to another episode of Lakers Detailed post-game. Lakers just beat the Clippers. A huge game. Uh, rivalry, Battle of LA, whatever you want to call it. It was a huge game. Lakers break a losing streak. I think a four-game losing streak that we were going through. And yeah. Raj, I am overwhelmed with emotion because this is one <laughs> of the best games they played in like a month. Like end-to-end yeah. end, guys doing what they're supposed to do. Defense is fantastic. All of that sort of stuff. I I hope you're doing well. We love the small talk. Yeah. We were down from the last game that we watched, and they had a disappointing finish to the, the Memphis game. Everything looked like it was falling off the cliff, uh, falling off a cliff. And Darvin Ham's giving crazy post game quotes. Everybody's mm-hmm. livid and angry, and I th- it felt like every this this game, if we lose it in embarrassing fashion, was a nail in the coffin moment. And the Lakers won, and uh, there's a lot of kudos to go around. Um, yeah. How are you doing? How are you feeling? What is your reaction to this win, dude? What did you see initially? You know so before we get get all into that, like when the Lakers are bad, Vinay, I always like try to find like what helps me a lot is just going to hoop, like for real, like going yeah. going to like my LA fitness is where I play ball. And like I usually like to play on Sundays because Sundays is where the, I call it like the serious hoopers play, like in terms oh, yeah, of yeah. not serious in terms of the better talent because like the young guys actually are more talented but they play a brand of hoop where it's like they're shooting half court threes and like there's not a lot of like ball movement going around and Sunday mornings it's a lot more of a like yeah let's play some team basketball to win and that really kind of gets me a little bit more relaxed and playing free the Clippers and Lakers I feel like just can't play a normal basketball game like it's Never. always some crazy last minute stretch and this win is great. This is awesome. It's just like, it feels so hollow with the week we just had. I mean, like, I I feel like I should be a little bit more excited about it. But, I mean, like, you put this in context of the Miami loss, the Memphis loss. Um, like you said, people living and dying off. It's not a great thing when everyone lives in, like, living off of every word your coaches says. I mean, like, usually that's just media talk. and But, like, fans are, are kind of living off everything Darvin Ham says. But... No, this was this was a fun game. This was a engaged LeBron, and I will get into kind of the specifics of that. But like uh, engaged LeBron, I thought AD was awesome. The Clippers kind of present different issues, but they also have, give some advantages that LeBron likes. Like he likes to zoom matchup mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But overall, I thought like this was one of our better games. I thought this was a good process game. I thought Darvin coached like a really good game for like ninety percent of this game before the fourth quarter, where some things just went awry in terms of the lineups and stuff we were doing the no timeout after the Clippers went on like an 11-0 run um, which Mm -hmm. I thought was strange but overall like this was a really good win it's just it moves you to 18 and 19 and like that's the part that I have a tough time like getting fully invested and like season turning around win and D'Lo obviously came back tonight which we'll get into as well which I think helped but that's where I'm at with it are you are you kind of on that wavelength as well I still put this win in terms of the context of how the team has played through the week where the team they've been through that week is still to me more of who they are or other than like this team tonight. But this is a definitely a good, good like step in that direction for sure. How, where are you at with that? Yeah. I, I, I want to say like this, bro, the, look, we have watched 
up until this slide that we had, like you and I were both very adamant. Uh, and I, I would say that anybody that, that talked to us during this time span, like was like we were adamant that this team that we're watching that's playing this poorly is not the team that like we have watched like during this yeah. bad stretch. And I was just like, at some point there has to be something. And, and I remember I posed you the question, like, what is like what is high stakes to these dudes? Because like a cash prize is high stakes to them and you know, like mm. stuff like that is high stakes for them. So for me, it was just like, what is high stakes for these guys? And like the way they played this game against a team that's a contender. Like I know a lot of people are gonna be yeah. like, oh yeah, Clippers are fake contenders. No, they're a very they were the hottest team in the NBA. They were demolishing teams, and they, like they just recently went into New Orleans and just beat the crap out of them. I think they they whooped on the Suns too. I think the Suns may have been missing Kevin Durant, but they're a team that's like very very good and you know whatever people think about Harden and and where he's at uh in his career they got him for a bag of chips and he's just made them much much better and everybody's slotted better this is a very high quality win for the Lakers like yeah I, I and this is I mean like of course we, we would have rather beaten Memphis and then also won this game or won the Miami game and the Memphis game and, and lost this game we would have been all right with that you know like I'm sure you know Laker fans would have taken it whichever which way but like even then, to win this game, I don't care that Norman Powell missed the a potential game tying three. Mm -hmm. Like none of that means anything to me. Like just get the wins, stack your wins yeah. now, so that by the time the All Star break comes by, we're not chasing those wins in the second half. Raj, we are two and zero against another division rival. This is the second game we played against the Clippers, and we won it. We played the Suns. We went. We we win the tiebreaker against them. We have yet to play the Warriors. These are all important games. We said this at the beginning of the season. Division games matter. You have to win those games because you never know what's going to happen. And you see how tightly packed the Western Conference is. Those division games are going to matter. It's a quality yep. win, dude. This is the team I think they are, honestly. like That's that's how I feel about this team. Mm. This is more indicative of what they are versus the nonsense we've seen the, over the past couple of games. Yeah. I know that that's, that's, yeah. that's uh, you know, it is what it is, but go for it. No, 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 for sure. Like, on your Clippers point, like, I would argue they're playing the best basketball in the league. Like, they just are. They've had, like, one bad loss, which was to Oklahoma City. Kawhi didn't even play that game. Um, they've won, I think, 18 out of 21 coming into tonight. Paul George, Kawhi, and Harden have really found, like, a magic kind of elixir of how they want to play offense. The Harden zoo pick and roll has really, like, uh, has really gone well for them. Uh, they know the actions they're going to run. They have great isolations. Russ comes off the bench, and he kind of struggled tonight, but gives them, mm -hmm. like, good energy off the bench. Um, Norm Powell, I thought Max Christie, Vinay just locked Did up Norm Powell in a amazing. way. Like, Norm would cook us, and we saw that, right? I think Max came out, like, out in, like, eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. We were up 10. Max comes out, Wood comes out, and we go to that Austin D'Lo Torian unit. Um, and Norm just got cooking, went off um, in the fourth quarter. But no, for sure. Like again, I think the tough part for me, Vinay, like I don't. You said they're they're more indicative of this team, and I agree in like a playoff setting. I just the Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George on the other side, and those are two guys where I think you can't not be engaged defensively. Like those are two guys who will embarrass you if that's the case. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. in terms of their production, and so we got like an engaged. I thought LeBron was super engaged defensively tonight uh yeah. yeah and his offense too we'll get into that but i thought defensively getting strips rotating every time moving his feet uh with Kawhi, and then ad on paul george like the the three stops on him the one at the top of the key the drive that he caught you know he caught him yeah. on the backboard and the turnover i think where he like dove on the floor 
um ad was awesome tonight so i hope this is more addictive i just like there's some stuff tonight where can we get this defensive effort every every single night is that a consistent thing that you can get on a night to night basis i'm not sure but like playoff level for sure and i thought the rotations been a much better tonight i i really like max i like christian wood within this rotation i like i thought they both gave like rebounding and toughness that toughness that this team needed but you're right no this is a big win this is we're 2-0 and against the Clippers, which is crazy. Clippers beat us like crazy. 3 million times in a row coming into this season. Um, you get two wins on them, and I think there's good process stuff to take from it. I thought Austin got going. I think D'Lo off the bench is a nice mix into it too. But, no, good win. Clippers are playing extremely well. Extremely well. I thought Paul George came to play. They kind of sleepwalked a little bit in the, in the first quarter. But after that, I thought the Clippers and Lakers were both locked in, and this is the team you can be if you just beat those freaking bad teams. But, hey, you're in that – Upper yeah. West or the Western Conference, and this win means that much more. But it's definitely a good kind of starter to kind of get you going with all these all these home games home games coming yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, I'm 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 on board with you all the way. I think you you've already covered a lot of the smaller like like nicely covered all these different bullet points of, of guys who are just fantastic. So let's get into the details because that's what we're about. We care mm. about the the, the yeah. individual game within the game stuff. That that's super huge. First and foremost, we should give credit to LeBron James because the Clippers strategy to start this game was to mm. literally make him do everything on offense. This is not, it's not like the Lakers were incapable of doing it. Terrence Mann was face guarding Austin Reeves from the start of the game. They literally did not want any offense to be run by the off ball guard. Like, so they didn't want D'Lo running the offense. They didn't want Austin running the offense. Obviously Lakers don't really have outside options outside of that for them to really do it. So they wanted Braun and it look, it's Ty Lue, whatever you think of him as a coach, he don't, he understands the game within a game, and I think they wanted to make sure that they could tire Braun out so that he wouldn't have yeah. legs in the fourth quarter. And we'll get to that fourth quarter because I feel like the Lakers actually recognized what was happening and and went to that Austin uh, AD pick and roll action that again AD delivered on so many of those plays. Oh but man! Prior to that, Braun was fantastic on offense today, like and and defense, and and, and I'm not so I don't want to just say one or the other, but just I just want to talk about his offense. He was phenomenal on offense today. And one of the mm -hmm. things that he was doing was working that mid-range area to his spots because that's what the Clippers wanted him to take. So he just went and took it. Like he had two, I want to say, fadeaway, uh, fallaway sort of jumpers from the mid-range on the left-hand side block with a live dribble against Zubak because Zubak wouldn't come out of the paint. He was thinking that Braun would attack the rim. And Braun drained it twice and – he was so good today. And then on top of that, there were portions of this game where Vando was camped out in the middle of the paint and they were basically yeah. sending a double team to Braun, but Braun would throw a skip pass past Vando to the open three guy. And our role players knocked down their threes today. Christian Wood hit one, D'Lo hit one. I want to say uh, Torian Prince hit one. So them knocking down those three. So it's like rewarding that excellent vision that Braun has. I thought he played... He started off the game a little rough trying to force passes to AD, you know, with the turnovers and stuff like that. But, you know, the Lakers defense kept yeah. him in the game, which was fine. Um, but I thought he played a phenomenal game. Talk to me about what you saw from him, like, just just Oof. this yeah. this game so far. Because I think, honestly, this is probably the best Braun game I want to say we've seen over the past maybe eight games, like I would say. Like, I think this is the yeah. cleanest, like, the nicest game that, that we've seen. Out last, yeah, last, last two weeks, um, for sure. Also, you didn't mention the... Dunk on Paul George. Oh, like, my God, dude. 39-year-old <laughs> oh. oh. LeBron going up and uh, extending out to dunk. No, I think you 
put it best when he tweeted out like he dissected the Clippers defense tonight. Like every single pick and roll, um, the skip passes. I thought like he found found he found Vando too sometimes in that middle of the floor area where Vando's just gonna have to look at the rim once in a while. But like he was he was playmaking from that spot, which is fine. Um, tonight. No, I thought LeBron was awesome. His jumper was going. His first shot of the game was like a jab step three over over Paul George. I think it was. He was getting to the rim a little bit as well. Didn't get to the line um as much as I think he thought he should, but got some reverse layups. And the Clippers like they always try to take AD away as well. Like yeah. they don't let AD play one-on-one basketball at all. They don't let him kind of attack in the post very often. Um, but what happened was LeBron got going. Like off the pick and roll, you talked about they they trapped Austin as well, right? Austin had a few turnovers. Some like, and this is a bad matchup for Austin in my opinion, Vinay. Where like it's just too many big wings. There's no guard for him yeah. to really pick on. All those dudes are just huge and not really gar- guys you can like get off you. Um, in terms of giving back pressure and stuff like that. But no, LeBron was just cooking off the pick and roll. This is a team that we can like run LeBron AD pick and rolls against, like, cause they don't switch this, they don't like to switch zoo on a LeBron. And he loves yeah. like the, he loves the zoo matchup. Um, and he cooked that as well. But no, LeBron was awesome, man. Like, I don't, that's the part that's tough for me too. Like, LeBron was what, like 14 for 20 or something, like super. Yeah super efficient just barely missed any shots jumper was going the fadeaway jumper was going right to kind of ice the game put us up five the little drifting shot to the left and like i liked our process too like being able to like kind of spam the pick and roll actions clear aside for him know where the doubles are coming from um and he was cooking 14 for 20 had an awesome game and he gets up Vinay against Ty Lue. like that's just like he just gets up for like games against the clippers and games against mm-hmm. Ty Lue. so i thought he would have a great scoring night um no he was he he carried the offense for a lot of stretches and ad kind of took it home which i thought our role players gave us enough to where the stars should take it home in the fourth and, and that's what they did lebron uh lebron and ad kind of isoed and ad pick um uh, pick and pop jumpers but LeBron was awesome on both ends man and I right, let me ask you is this like i was thinking about this during the game like is this a ma- is this like matchup dependent like because it was Kawhi and PG on the other end that like you saw a little bit more of an engaged LeBron or is that just the Clippers or like where, like, why do you see it tonight? And maybe not enough against like Miami or Memphis, you know what I mean? Like I, like I'm wondering is the Clippers kind of personnel kind of funding that kind of, I'm not saying he has to do this every night, but I'm saying like this, it obviously makes a difference against a team like the Clippers um, when he's like disengaged and, and this kind of good on, uh, on the defensive end. I, you know, I, I'll say this. The last time we played the Clippers, Kawhi came out and started shooting our faces off the first yeah. time around, and we had to make a late push in the second half to, to win that game. And I wonder if Braun was like, okay. I mean, because, you know, they'll probably watch, they probably watched some tape from the previous game to see if they if there's anything scouted. I, you know, Braun has got a, a very good memory. Like, I think even he probably realized, like, look, it, whether my shot's going in or not, like, I can't. I, I can't just let Kawhi get whatever shots he wants. Uh, dude, there was a play yeah. where I think the end of the play ended up going, it, it ended up being like a hammer action style pass to Kawhi in the left corner. And Braun rotated from the low block all the way over to Kawhi because mm. that's his rotation. It was his man. He tagged the roller and then recovered back. And Braun did it and he closed out perfect timing. Gets right on the on the shooting hand, you know the the shooting side of of, of Kawhi's jumper. Kawhi ends up missing the jumper, uh, you know, and, and and Braun correctly like presses it in a way where Kawhi has to use like all upper body, can't really use his lower body because because that's kind of the kind of shooter he is. And Kawhi shorts it, and when he did that, like I, I'll tell you, like when Braun made that rotation, 
is when I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, the Lakers might win this game. Like he's yeah. and, and this is not to say that like Braun isn't a good defender, but like we we talked a little bit about how selective he is defensively, understandably so because you know he, he's the trying age, to keep yeah. himself healthy for for these games. That's why we also get mad at Ham for not playing certain guys instead of other guys, so that way Braun can preserve himself. But him being locked in defensively, it, it's a very very different team. Obviously, we don't want him to have to do that so much um, against the Miamis and and the Memphises. But I think teams have also recognized, you know, when we played the Rockets, Dylan Brooks, this is a while back, Dylan Brooks came out and said, we want to make Braun work. Like we want him to get into fourth quarter mode early. That's the Rockets' entire strategy. I think that's Ty Lue's strategy too. Make Braun yeah. have to go into fourth quarter mode so the Lakers can't rely on him. Um, and I thought Braun did a great job, like offensively, defensively. And then – him being engaged on defense is I, I genuinely think that's literally the difference between us winning this game and losing this game. Because if he doesn't yeah. make that rotation, Kawhi gets an open three. And we know that an open three, Kawhi is going to, you know, very rare that he misses open threes like that. And I, I'll add one more thing. It's not only that. It's his bronze rebounding was also fantastic too as well. Yep, like he was yep. crashing the glass. He was doing that thing that, you know, like, um, like Westbrook used to do in OKC or Jokic does right now for the Nuggets where he catches the rebound on the run. So he doesn't catch the rebound, stop, and slowly dribble the ball at the floor. Like he's catching it, and he's like automatically running because he's already got the yeah. momentum going up the court, and that puts pressure on on the transition defense um, too as well. Because it's not like the Clippers are a super young team themselves, right? Like they've got older yeah, guys yeah. too, and they're on a back to they're they're about to be on a back to back. They got to play tomorrow too as well, so they're probably trying to preserve their legs. So I think stuff small stuff like that, like him being engaged defensively uh, the way he was. Him pushing the ball in transition because obviously he's, he's a, still a, clearly with the dunk on Paul George, still a force to be reckoned with when, when <laughs> yeah. he's out in transition. You can't just let him go up and down. So it's just like just stuff like that. You know, I know, I know in the grand scheme of things, it seems so small, but those small things make such a huge difference. And tell yeah. me, tell me if I'm wrong. This was the first game in a while where it felt like the role players knew what they needed to do to help this team win the game defensively yep. and obviously knocking down their shots. It felt like they were more comfortable because the two our two big dogs were going the way the way that we expected them to go. No, 100%. And I think, you know, just to connect another guy to this, I think D'Lo coming back kind of helped. Huge. Just some of the, like, yeah. rotations, right, and just having another ball handler out there that can kind of run the offense. And I thought that just put everyone in their right spots. Cam, again, just had a tough – like just offensive night. I mean, I think yeah. he's just in his head a little bit. Had a big three, like had a big transition three to kind of put us up by three. But I thought just he's just having a tough time. Uh, but no, I think like D'Lo coming back and just having our rotations ride and just having guys like being in the right position. Austin kind of struggled too against the Clippers. But this is me, like to me, Vinay, this is like the way to go. This is this is the process that's correct for this team. Playing a bunch of wings, playing size, I just think Max Christie has to play. Like, I think he's just part of this, like, team where, like, they're super realized versions of, of, of themselves, I think, has him in it. I thought Christian Wood, you talked about LeBron's rebounding. I thought Christian Wood's rebounding was big time for this team. I think he helped, like, keep Zoo off the boards as well, helping LeBron, helping AD on the glass. Um, And that's, like, that's the part of this that's interesting, right? I think Ham is, like, this conversation that we're having about LeBron, I think Ham is having these same conversations where, like, how do we kind of help, LeBron kind of you know take care of himself through a regular season but also be able to exert enough energy on both ends to kind of help us win games and I think he's kind of gone to extreme 
spectrums on both of them, right? Like, so first we started, let's take away the offensive kind of burden on him. We'll start Austin. We'll start D'Lo. We'll play yeah. Torian and get go full offense. That didn't work, right? All right, now we're leaning fully into our defense. We're putting all the offensive pressure on LeBron. Let's start. Yeah. Uh, we're starting Torian. We're starting Cam Reddish. We're starting Rui next to LeBron and AD. No other guards. And I think there's a middle ground there that this team can kind of live in to where, like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I think that's where this team's at its best. By the way, Vinay, D'Lo back tonight. Austin's still starting, which is kind of interesting to me. So, like, both of those guys. Um, so it looks like that's kind of the way to go. And I think D'Lo off the bench just works a little bit better. I like him as the backup point guard, I guess, in, in that second unit. But I think that's where this team is kind of at its best. And we saw, I thought, the fruit of that. I thought Vando came in at, as much as he doesn't look at the rim, was awesome on Paul George. I thought Cam mm-hmm. Reddish did an awesome job as well, kind of mirroring Paul George, staying with Kawhi defensively. Um, I think that's why the team looked better. I thought the process was good. The first quarter was like a 2006 score. It was like 21 oh, yeah. to 16. It was like 21 to 16. And it wasn't because like it was bad offense. It was good defense. Like, you know, sometimes it's just teams missing open shots. I thought both teams' defense was really solid. The Clippers went up nine and it felt like, uh oh, like they might run away with it. But the Lakers yeah. kind of settled down, settled into their defense, um, and got going. But no, this was a this was a really, really solid win, man. And I hope they can kind of build on it. You can't win this game, Benny, and then lose to Toronto. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like you, you got it. You got to build off this one. Yeah. Um, but this is definitely, and, uh, definitely a good head start. Yeah, and it, 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 we definitely can't take Toronto lightly because they just beat the no, crap out sure. of. I think the Warriors too themselves. So, and, and you know, they have they've got RJ Barrett. They've got a couple new guys on that team. So the scouting report's kind of still un inconsistent. Yep. Probably unfulfilled. Un- un- Raj, talk to me about that fourth quarter with AD because there was a one possession game. The Lakers, Oof. I think he got they get a stop, and, and obviously his defense is fantastic. There's at least four different possessions, like you said, the three on Paul George. There's one on Kawhi, if I remember correctly. Um, there's probably four possessions where he just basically stonewalled, like in in pure in like real pure ISO basketball fashion, just completely stonewalled their their best Oof. two players. Um, and, and force bad shots um, or, or turnovers. Um, but talk to me about, bro, his jumper looked so Bruh. good today that they, so like, I think at the end, towards the end of the game, Braun was actually sitting in the corner, the left corner, and they were letting Austin and AD yeah. run the pick and roll. And the only reason they were running the pick and roll was so that they could set, they could because they knew Zoo wasn't going to press on AD's jumper. Yep. And AD, he makes the first one, I think he misses the second one. But even if you rewind it a little bit farther back from that, I think it's a one-point game. AD gets it in the right-hand side post, posts up yes. Zubak, hits hook a turnaround, turnaround hook on him. It looks so good, dude. Talk to me about, like, you know, we've said it before. His jumper comes back, it's a completely different, different AD. But, dude, if his jumper comes back, our offense is completely different in how it can hurt yeah. you. And and so so talk to me about that. What you seen with AD uh, in, yeah. in this game? So I think this is AD's best stretch of basketball for the Lakers, in my opinion, just even with the title run. Obviously, the, the bubble was kind of um, shooting-centric, but I just think overall, I think his play has been, this is the best stretch of his Laker, at least regular season career. But he was 10 for 15 tonight, like 22 Crazy. points, 10 rebounds. Yeah. And I thought in the fourth – and so this is what the Clippers do, though, right? Like the Clippers aren't going to let you – like this is why I think he struggled in the past against the Clippers because they're kind of – they're going to concede jump shots in a way that's not conventional, right? So they concede a lot of open kind of pick-and-pop jump shots. And it like even the pick-and-pop but to the free-throw line, 
that changes everything. Like that just changes everything about how they have to guard you, how they have to respect you, how they have to guard you defensively. And you're right. They just put the ball in Austin's hands, little left to right pick and roll and a little pocket pass to AD and he was nailing those jumpers. And then the hook shot, you, in my opinion, like you don't get to that hook shot without the mid range jump shot. You know what I mean? Like, like those two are connected. You don't get the hook shot uh, fade without the mid the confidence to take the mid-range pull-ups because your offensive like confidence and rhythm just isn't there. But he was awesome. And then you go on the defensive end, the two possessions on Paul George, isolation, one-on-one through the legs. Paul George loses it. So good. And then Paul George drive and then Paul George drives on him. He catches it on the backboard and it goes off of Paul George. That's just like defensive player of the year stuff. And uh, man, Vinay, I really hope we get like this turned around in a in like a meaningful way a top four kind of seed or whatever so that AD can kind of get his just due. Like you're just not going to get your due at the 10th seed. Like it's just, it's just not going to come, but he's been amazing and incredible. And you could argue he was the best player in that fourth quarter with a lot of other superstar guys on the floor and just changes how you can do things, man. And like he was, I wish we help him on the boards a little bit. Zoo was just so physical inside and like he got some tip outs and stuff like that. But AD was boxing him out and just like he he has so much freaking responsibility on that end and able to do that while also putting up 22 on the on, on the other end it's just he's special man that was a that was a special you know performance from him him again yeah yeah the, the, I, you know the, the the thing i will say is that you know i think what you mentioned about like the clippers trying to take AD out of the game like i think that was also part mm-hmm. of that was was why they were trying to make sure Austin didn't get to run the pick and roll or, you know, like the Braun had to run his pick and roll as opposed to Austin running the pick and roll. Cause when it's Braun and AD running pick and roll, they can just kind of switch that action. There's not that mm-hmm. much room in terms of like passing lane and stuff like that to make those passes to AD. Whereas Austin's smaller player guy guarding him is smaller too, as well. AD screen wipes Austin's guy out a little bit more and they can create that action. So I, you know, regardless of what it was, I think, AD was fantastic in the fourth quarter. I, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Like you could you could argue that he brought us home. You know, like when that game got yeah. really tight. It's what I, I think Braun expects out of him. I think that's what Laker fans expect out of him. Um, I, I thought you know just there's a lot of <laughs> a few other pocket moments. Um, so before we get to like these little pocket moments, because these were like huge inflection points where I feel like our emotional state was like either oh pure my God, man. or happiness. But before we get to that, I want to talk about another steady, a steady force for the Lakers. Max Christie. Um, you mentioned him initially when you did your initial breakdown, just kind of everything. Man. Max was basically he like his assignment was very clearly Norm Powell. He was shadowing Norm Powell's minutes outside of the very end of the game. Um, and Max was ready for every single thing that Norm Powell tried to do. Um, yes. And I thought, and he even had a play where he was defending, I think Harden, or I want to say Harden tried to draw a foul or something like that on him, was unable to, ends up being a turnover or something. But he was absolutely fantastic today defensively. And he actually gave the Lakers some utility. Like another game where Max goes and dunks the ball in traffic. Like another game where Max will drive on three players and attempt a layup as opposed to just settling for, you know, whatever shot the defense wants to get him. Like he got blocked by Kawhi on one of yeah. them. But Kawhi has to come help because if he doesn't, he's scoring that layup on James Harden. And I like, you know, this report came out, you know, earlier today um, from Jake Fisher about agents calling the late. And I don't know the validity oh, right. of it, but he's, he's a reputable writer. So we'll, we'll give him, we'll, we'll give airtime to the conversation. There was a thing about, you know, agents who rep some of the Laker players 
complaining to the organization about their, you know, the minutes and the roles and stuff like that. Mm. And now I'm not saying Max is one of those guys, but you and I both specifically said way before the season started that the number one training camp battle that we were going to see on this Laker team was going to be Cam Reddish versus Max Christie. And I, yeah. and I, feel, I want to say like the the minutes were I, I'm not I don't have the box score in front of me. I want to say the minutes were probably even between Max and Cam, and maybe leaning a little bit more towards Cam because of that last shift. But Max has got to play, dude. He's giving us offensive utility now. They're not running plays for him. He's not doing too many catch and shoot situations. And if he's not comfortable taking the catch and shoot situation, he attacks the rim and he attacks it with force and. Sometimes it doesn't look good because he gets blocked or whatever it is, but sometimes it looks good. And in the flow of things, yeah. the Lakers need those kinds of players. And, you know, I would say that his offensive utility is much higher than Cam's right now. Cam is, again, dude, we had a play where he caught the ball. Nobody is near him. He's dribbling to the rim and he just loses it. I don't know what it is yeah. that's that's going on with him. It might be in his head, whatever it may be. But Cam gave us some really great defensive minutes too as well. So I'm not going to say that. Had two humongous threes that initially pushed us up. In, in the yep. third quarter. Um, but we've got to find a balance, dude. And I, I want to take this second set because I know you and I are big, are, are high on Max. I want yeah. you to talk to me about, about Max and, and how, what, what does it Man. look like? How do we get him more minutes with this team? Is he Cam so, Reddish's direct sub? Is that what we have to so, do now at this point? So it's funny. I, I agreed with you when you said like the minutes were even. They actually, like, it felt like they were even because Max's, I think, um, impact just felt so. Yeah. I mean, Max played 12 minutes tonight. Like that's crazy. Cam played Cam played 20 minutes. Like, like I'm not saying like he has to match Cam like right. minute for minute, but he might just be better than Cam is. Like that. Like I, I thought that in the summer. Um, and obviously Cam showed up. I guess the first month and a half, a little bit of the season, and has kind of dropped back to that offensive kind of baseline he's been at for his career. And Cam's been awesome. I think defense. At least I think the defense has dropped off a little bit. But I thought. Tonight was solid, but no, Max was so good. And no, plus minus is a flawed stat, so I don't like to um, prop it yeah. up too often. But I mean, Max was a plus 10 in this one. Cam, unfortunately, was a minus eight. There's other kind of factors within that, but I thought that kind of matched a little bit how the game was going. And your Norm PowerPoint, man, like Norm usually cooks us. He's just a bad matchup. All the time. Yeah. Bad matchup. Physical guard that can, that's high volume who gets to the free throw line. Like all. You look at those three boxes, and those are guys that just kill the Lakers. Um, and you're right. Max was ready for all of that. He was up to the challenge. I thought he he beat him to every single spot. Um, he, you know, he didn't put Powell on the free throw line, Vinay. Like, you know, like yes. those kind of things Dude. I really looked for um, and was able to kind of uh, take away his, like, three-point attempts. Like, while he was in the game, uh, he had one three only tonight, but, like, he only took one. The standing dunk, though, and I know it's just a standing dunk, but I think that's important. Like, he has juice. When he catches the ball, like Van, D'Lo threw him a little nice kind of skip, uh, skip yeah. bounce, and he was able to dunk it. That's just like it's important. Like compare that to when Vando catches in the paint, right? Like right. Vando catches the confidence it. Confidence binded too. Yeah, it, it's. it's just, it, I don't know if it's confidence. But it's just like he catches it, and there's that like a fire alarm goes in Vando's head of like, what's the options here? I could shoot this. Yeah. I might get blocked. I'm, Max catches it. Boom. I'm I'm going to dunk this. You're either gonna have to foul me, or I'm I'm gonna make a like. T there's like just that process and i think this team as nicely as it was constructed or i guess that construction is kind of getting questioned now but like there's just a lot of one-way players on this team Vinay, and i feel like max at least has the potential yes to be a two-way 
type player, a two way in terms of a three and D guy. And I think that's important. I think having those guys like that who also rebound well, who don't hurt you defensively, like that's extremely important. And I think it's worth investing in. I've said that about Max in October. I said he's worth investing in at least. Um, and I, I'd like that. Even if you have to cut a little bit into look, Torian clutch three tonight, right? Absolutely. Clutch oh, yeah, that, we're, that's an inflection. We're going to talk <laughs> about that because that he's. He is. Finish your point about Max. We're gonna get. No, to yeah, just, yeah. No, yeah. I'm just saying, like, if you're trying to, because obviously Rui didn't even play tonight, right? So, like, yeah. There's that's another wing that's about to steal minutes. But Torian at 30, that's probably around where he's gonna. I mean, I think that's probably lower than he's gonna be. LeBron was at 38, but I just I think there's bits and pieces and spots to like find Max Christie minutes. I just think it's that has to be a something that that we really look into. But no, Max was Max was good, man. He's. He's been really solid um, these last few games. But talk to me about talk to me about Torian, bro. There, okay. Torian was the poster Ooh, boy man. of the number one inflection point of this game, dude. He fouls Norm Powell. Okay, first and oh, foremost, man. Zubac grabs the offensive rebound over AD, who very clearly has position and just yeah. kind of got bullied by Zubac into that offensive in that offensive rebound. Torian Prince, I it looked like he was trying to avoid, I want to say, Norm Powell. It's not like he was just like one of those ones where he was just like yeah, it's blatantly running into the player. Yeah, he was trying to avoid him. But Norm Powell has like a you know a wide stance when he shoots the ball in general, so it's hard to avoid. Yeah. But um, he fouls Norm Powell when we're up three. And I'm pretty sure everybody, I mean, I'm not pretty sure. Like the timeline <laughs> is ready to strangle this dude. Oh, um, yeah. For, for what he was going to do for, for that foul, especially if the Lakers end up losing and probably Darvin Ham along with him um, for, for playing him in the game <laughs> at that moment. But um, he he hits it. He prior to the game, you know, he had hit a couple threes. Uh, Torian was actually playing some pretty good defense, I would say, um, in ISO coverage against different guys, um, especially I think they had him on Kawhi and Paul George uh, at one point. But Torian, the inflection point is a scramble happens, transition offense, ball turns into a scramble. Torian left wide open at the top of the three, drills the three, and redeems himself like not yeah. even 30 seconds later in game time. And I was just like, dude, oh my <laughs> God. If he bricks that three, he's oh, going man. to get assaulted before he leaves the arena, bro. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I'm happy for him. Because I know a lot of people, he's one of the guys that people have said that like he shouldn't be yeah. getting as many minutes. And you you and I have talked about maybe he is getting a few too many minutes. But dude, he's also one of our best three-point shooters on this team. And we really yeah. haven't had a role player that's a consistent three-point shooter. He's streaky a little bit, but he hits that. What where was your mind going when you saw that Ooh, man. one minute sequence of basketball happen involving Torian? Bro, man, I, I thought, you know, so I thought, I was, I mean, Darwin really isn't, like, insisting on having, so the Clippers go out with their death lineup, right? Their own yeah. version of a death lineup, which is Norm Powell next to um, Harden, Kawhi, Paul George, and uh, Zubach. That's kind of been their lineup that they're closing games with and kind of running teams off the floor. And our counter of an eight, this is where the game, we were up 10. Like, this felt like we were going to win the game going away. LeBron is about to check in. So LeBron got his break. We're still up 10. Um, and this is where the Torian, I think, just did the conundrum start coming. Um, but yeah, like I was I was just so confused at, you know, some of the lineups with that and, and what was going on. But no, I thought Torian had a like he's the probably the biggest scapegoat that goes on with this team, right? In terms of the minutes. And uh someone kind of compared him to like KCP, like when KCP was on this team, right? Like where there's just a lot of kind of bonehead plays and 
I think he's just kind of stretched outside his own kind of game where there's a lot of like pick and rolls with Torian where I just don't think that's his game. I think he's a two on this team, and I get why Darwin kind of leans into that. I just I want to see a wave in it with the Austin, D'Lo, and Torian units. I just think they're just too small, and they're just not physical mm-hmm. enough, and that's where the game got away. The Clippers went to their death unit, and we put in that lineup next to, um, I think, LeBron and AD, and I thought the Clippers really came back. But, no, nah, man, I'm glad he hit that shot. I, I still think there's ways to kind of – I think Torian's like a 20- to 25-minute player on – like if your team is actualized and I just think like that's where he should live. Um, he's playing in like the 35 minute range because of our injuries and Darwin Ham's kind of insistent insistence on it. But yeah, we're lucky he hit that. He also hit both free throws. If I have that correct, I believe like to like, yeah. I think he hit both of his free throws as well. So um, yeah, Austin missed the one, uh, but no, that was a, that was a huge shot, man. I'm, I'm glad he was able to redeem himself. Do you, do you like the defensive matchups that we give him? Like, he was on – so, like, I think he started on – I don't know if he started on Paul George or Cam started on Paul George. Maybe he started on Harden. I forgot who it was. But he was on yeah. Harden in the fourth quarter. And I think I think that's just a tough kind of matchup for him. I think we use him as, like, a point of attack kind of guard defender. And I just I just yeah. don't think that's who he is. Um, But, I, no, offensively, it totally makes sense. He's shooting well. He's, like, he's our best probably spot-up shooter. You have to have at least one against LeBron and AD. I just – I would like his like light to be a little less green, like make yeah. it a little bit more yellow. You know what I mean? Like it's a little too, um, a little too trigger happy. Uh, but no, that was a huge shot. Torian got his uh, moment in LA. That's his first like go ahead three, I think, with the team. If I have that correct, he, like the yeah, I feel I feel like that's probably one of our in, unless he had one earlier in the season. That's been like that's certainly mm-hmm. like because he didn't play the first Clippers game if you remember. Like he he wasn't available for that first Clippers game, so that he's. This is the first sure. time he's playing mm-hmm. against that team. So I think also part of it is just kind of deploying him, um, deploying him in a certain manner. I I I get it. I I, I just think that like it, it's this weird thing that you know you and I have talked about. I think Ham does like positional minutes. Like he looks at Torian like as a wing and says, Okay, uh uh Austin's not a wing, Delo's not a wing. They're my two yeah. guards, so they have to share minutes. Torian is a wing, so he has to play a minimum amount of X amount of minutes or whatever. Cam is a wing, so he has to play X amount of minutes. And my thing has always been, like, you've got to break them down further. Like, you've got to look at them and be like, okay, this guy can't defend on point of attack. And I think when we talk about imbalances, and, you know, I think the term that people like to use is slotting. I don't really like to use that term because I think it's – actually, I don't know why I don't like using it. It's, it's just a term I don't use. But it's like, uh, you sure. know, with, I've always made that thing. It's like, it, this is not a puzzle pieces sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. basketball for me has never been finding the pieces to the puzzle and then putting it to fit together because the picture, sometimes you need the picture to be different. It's not the same picture every single time in the puzzle. It doesn't work that. It's more like you have to recognize down to a base level. What is it that this guy does best? And what is like the second best thing that he does? And do I need that on the floor right now with the guys that yeah. I currently have out there? And do the guys that I have on the floor balance that stuff out? So so I'll give you a great example because we haven't talked about him, but he had a great game. Christian Wood did a really fabulous job backing up AD and protecting the rim today. Crashed the glass, finished a couple plays, was battling with Zubak, had a block on Russ um, in straight coverage uh, that I think the the Clippers probably thought they would win that matchup and and Wood was ready to defend that matchup. So that was also good to see. Hit a big three, I want to say, too, as well, um, off a broad pass or something like that. But 
they sized up. They played bigger when they had weaker perimeter defenders out there. So basically your front, your, your backcourt was not a good defense, but your, but your yeah. front court was bigger. So that allowed your front. So, so you, you know, you balance out the yes. offense defense, but you also balance out the size. And I think that is the thing that happens with that D'Lo Austin Torian lineup. Your, yeah. your, your backcourt's small, but then your front court's also kind of small because you have yeah. Torian and you have, and, and if Braun's not engaged, then you don't really have Braun in that, in that one, you know, like helping you the way that you would normally expect like a six, nine guy to help you. But I, I, I thought the Lakers did a good job going. I thought Ham did a better job outside of that small stretch, like balancing the floor out a little bit more. And a big part of that was Christian Wood. We had, we had, a, yeah. we had a stretch where we played Christian Wood and AD at the same time too, as well. When Braun actually leaves the floor, I think in the fourth quarter, that ends up extending the lead a little bit more after he he goes. Um, it was Christian Wood and AD playing together at the same time uh, and and helping kind of keep that lead going until the Clippers go on the run. Yeah. What do you think about that yeah. idea? Balancing it out with size and, and, and any thoughts you had on Wood from, from today's game? Yeah, Christian Wood, another guy I thought could have played more, could have even close. He played 15 minutes only, which again, when you're backing up AD, like your minutes are going to kind of be capped at this low mark, which is why I think playing them together is actually – and I think the the lineup that kind of made the run, Vinay, I believe, um, to put like where we were up ten, LeBron was on the bench. Um, it was like I think Austin, D'Lo, maybe Max, or maybe it was Vando. Oh no, it was, I think it was Vando Wood, AD next to like Austin or D'Lo and Max Christie, and that lineup yeah. was like playing really well. And then to your point, like you can have small guards. A lot of teams do this, right? I think like the Cavs are kind of the like main blueprint where they play. Garland's hurt right now, but they play Garland Mitchell, two really small guards. But they surround them with so much size, where they still have a really good defense. They have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley kind of flanking them. I think Mobley's hurt as well currently, but like when they're in their full realized form, they have like two guards flanked by a lot of size. And I think that should be the kind of route this team takes as well. But the issue though, if you're gonna play 30 minutes for Torian, then he's just gonna have to play next to Austin and D'Lo. That's just like that's. If he's going to play this much of the game, I think like, you're just going to get units with those two, those three together. Those lineups have been terrible all season. But I think that's that's the way for this team. A lot of size, a lot of wings. You have the size to do it. Vando again. Uh, how many minutes did, did Vando play tonight? Yeah, 20 minutes for Vando. That's kind of on the higher side than he's been at. But just having, all, like, if you're going to have two guards out there with Austin and D'Lo, flank them with size. Put Vando, Wood, and AD. That second unit... That was the best I think our bench has played in a while. Like it was smooth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, D'Lo, Max, Vando, Wood, AD. Wood was able to kind of clean up for a lot of the stuff where AD was pulled to the perimeter because the Clippers mm -hmm. run a lot of like a lot of screens for Paul George where we just kind of mentioned all the the miraculous plays AD made on PG. But on those plays, AD is like on the perimeter, right? So like he's taken out of the paint. That's where yeah. a lot of offensive rebounds were created. That's where Zoo was able to kind of dominate the offensive glass. And if you have like Christian Wood out there to kind of help on the boards i thought that would have been nice but um no like i think wood needs a like a little bit longer rope as well i don't know it's just so strange Vinay. like wood was getting dmps four games ago you know like so we're just like consist like consistently flipping through rotations and just trying to find um what sticks but i, li I like the process a lot tonight putting size next to our guards is but freaking worked last year that's exactly yeah. what happened last year you surrounded austin and tilo with vando lebron and ad that like you had size on the floor. Sometimes it was Dennis for D'Lo, but like you had small guards next to a lot of size. And I think, I think that's the formula for, for success for this team.
for sure. For sure. So, so on the topic of Vando uh, and, and Cam to some degree, we have still been getting sort of limited offense. There was a stretch where I think Vando attempted a couple of shots that just didn't look good. He didn't look comfortable even shooting the ball. It looked like he didn't even honestly want to shoot the ball um, to some degree uh, when he touched the ball. And the Clippers were, were deliberately playing off of them. They, you know, they had whoever was assigned on him to basically stand in the middle of the paint. And like we talked about before, Braun was just amazing at picking apart that, that defense, even with the pass, um, you know, out of the post and stuff like that. But that's not reasonable to expect Braun to do that every single game because teams will give different coverages um, sure, and whatnot. Sure. I've been of the mind that if you're going to be playing one of those two guys and both of those guys are going to be hesitant to shoot the ball, then you have to pool mm. their minutes together. So like earlier, we were talking about Max and Cam essentially being having to split minutes, right? And, and the inbounds. So I think you said 20 minutes for Cam and like 12 minutes for Max or something like that, right? Yep. Like 32 minutes between that position. But if we look at the strength of the player, right? What is that player good at? And what is that player not good mm -hmm. at? How do we balance that out? If Cam and Vando are essentially going to be defending the same guy. So in this example, you were exactly. talking about Paul George then those minutes are the ones that actually have to be pulled together. Not Max and Cam. It has to be Cam and Vando. And I think the Lakers have to do a better job. If there's one thing I would say, probably Ham moving forward, and obviously we don't know if he will or, or if he won't, but one thing that he certainly has to do moving forward is he has to decide if he's going to play those two guys and keep them as a part of, of this core rotation, like, um, you know, until they're not on the team or whatever happens, like, don't, they have to share minutes together, and that just has to be what it is. There can't be any confusion about that anymore because we won this game today, but I can yeah. certainly see an, a, a version of this where we don't make our shots and it looks ugly, and we've seen that kind of happen. Like we saw that happen with the Miami yeah. game. Um, that has to get fixed, and you know, Cam hit those threes today, but Cam hasn't been hitting threes over the past couple of games, and, and he's looked really um, not confident in, 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 in himself. So, yeah. like – there, is there a part of this? So my question to you is like, you know, Ham wants his guys to be successful, right? And he wants Cam to be successful clearly because because he doesn't want to pull him out of the lineup. He wants Vanda to be successful because, and we, we all do, all Laker fans want them to. But doesn't he have a responsibility to also prevent them from like the worst versions of themselves appearing based on what the defense is doing? And that, that's like the main thing for me. Like, I don't see him doing that. Yeah. And I need him to do that for this team to be the best version that it can possibly be. Yeah, I feel like it's so interesting because I just wonder if Vando being this much of a zero offensively is sustainable. Like, you know, like just as an NBA rotation player, like I feel like he was a better offensive player last year. Like he wasn't this much of a minus yeah. Much more of a at least playmaker, at least more of like a middle of the floor, four on three kind of attacking situation where he can be a screener and his offensive confidence. And I don't know if these are just injuries that have kind of um, kind of took him to this route, but like he's not even looking at the basket. There was a big play where D'Lo hit a corner three, Vinay, I think to put us up 10. Mm -hmm. LeBron pushed it up to Vando in transition. And Vando, I was watching him, never once looked at the basket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, never even, like – and now it worked out. He kicked it out, and D'Lo hit a transition three. But, like, I'd like to see Vando be a little bit aggressive. He took one floater tonight. It wasn't close. But I just, like, I'd like to see that process with it. But, yeah, I think Vando and Cam can kind of split utility. Like, I think they're kind of the same player. Even though Cam hit two threes tonight, like, his offensive kind of 
shooting and respect that he gets on the outside is the same. Um, he's just, yeah. he's just not being guarded as a threat, and his three point shot has really dropped. Um, so I would kind of split those two guys in terms of their minutes and Cam's offensive kind of attacks have been just really chaotic recently. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened, but that like focus and attention to detail to put it like for this pod, like his detail on offense has just really dropped to where he's back to, I don't know, the Cam Reddish on previous teams, but the defense is still, I thought been consistent. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. I think that's where else you can kind of pull Max's uh, kind of strengths into this to where like having a guy that can hit a spot up three, I think is, crucial and just to give LeBron and AD some type of release valve where like yeah. a lot of plays when AD's in the post and they did this a lot tonight when they were like Vando flashed to the middle and they gave him the ball like consistently like yeah Sue comes and helps uh whenever AD has in the post the Clippers like to really zone up on him so like they'll mm -hmm. send Zoo right and they'll kind of shrink the floor to where that middle area is open just like in a regular zone and Vando flashed there and he had some nice passes but like a lot of the times like the the correct thing to do is to shoot like the correct yeah, thing absolutely. is like you're at the basket there's another play where like not to pick on vando but like i think it was off a of pick and roll i think he came and saw, set a screen he got he got the bounce from lebron it's russ at the rim which again russ can can protect the rim in in, in some instances but like you got to go up with a little bit more like yeah. juice and strength and just passion not passion but like just a purpose mm -hmm. um and he just lost the ball i think he had like three turnovers tonight where he just lost it in the paint because what you talk about just that confidence um isn't there for him yeah two turnovers for vando tonight but yeah like i just i don't know is that sustainable to you vando being this much of a negative offensive it, like does that even out with his defense like i think his defense is really good i just he can't be a zero he can be like a yeah. three out of ten on offense and that that would actually make a jump for this team there's like just baseline level of like nba player stuff that you got to do that he's just not doing right now his finishing is some of the worst in the league right now like it's yeah. some of the worst stuff in the league that that he's at right now so like i'm just i'm just wondering if that's a sustainable thing for him but um yeah him and cam should definitely kind of split their <coughs> tenure um in terms of what they're what they're playing on, on the floor for sure but what do you yeah, no, I, 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 no i'm with you like I, it, I don't know if it's sustainable for you know I, I don't know if it's sustainable in the long run it's certainly not sustainable in the playoffs because i think as soon as he hits the floor you don't even have to coach like the opposing coach doesn't even have to tell his players like whoever is guarding Vando is basically just going to play off of him and whoever the designated helper is going to help off of him but it's just like it, there is you're right though that something strange is going on with him because he was actually hitting floaters last season like when he got that ball in that that short mid-range area like he could just rise up and hit a very soft floater had a soft touch so even if it wasn't like right on on target it would still like roll in and stuff like yeah. that his finishing was much better there's much more explosive I don't know if I forgot what his issue was, the heel issue or something like that. I don't know if he's just trying to play through that and, and it's going to take him a while to get to get through it if he needs more rest or whatever it is. But the thing with Vando was, and, and you talked about it when he got the extension, this guy has no offensive ability. That means that his defense and rebounding must be spectacular to, to warrant that kind of contract. And um, it, it's starting to come back. Like we're starting to see that defense come back and we're starting to see him crashing the glass, create offensive rebound opportunities, just do the stuff that 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 the team really needs in between the lines, uh, the the blue collar stuff that helps us be successful. But it's still probably not back to the level that we that it was last season. Um, and it may take yeah. some time before we get there. Obviously, with the minutes, like if he's only played twenty minutes a game, it's hard to be like, yeah, he's going to make a yeah. for sure huge impact during those times. But like until it gets to that point, like we've got to see so like he, it, today was a game where I thought he was actually afraid to shoot the ball. 
Like it genuinely yeah. felt like he did not want to shoot the ball anytime the ball was sent to him. He was just looking to pass it to somebody else, unless it was like a very wide open, obvious shot. And um, you yeah. know, the Clippers, Zoo is always going to be parked in the paint. He's never coming out of the paint. Um, so he's gonna challenge whatever shots there. But like we have to do something. Like he he has to be willing to so if that means he's screening, rolling, and then making the you know the, the Draymond pass to where to to the open guy. It is what it is, but today he didn't have to do it because LeBron was throwing it directly, directly to whoever the open guy was um, out of the post. But you know, I don't know. Like maybe he hasn't got enough reps. Like how much, how much screen and roll have you really seen with Vando? How many times have you seen Vando screen for somebody yeah. so that they can come off of the screen? So like, so that's what I'm trying to say. Like I don't know if it's a thing that like he just hasn't played enough or played with the right lineups per se. I think D'Lo yeah. and him being in the same lineup together. Is very beneficial because Helps. I think him, yes. him and D'Lo are very comfortable playing with each other. So you know, I don't know in the, if in the long run, you know, Austin stays at the starting group and D'Lo stays with the bench group. But pairing Vando and D'Lo together is definitely beneficial because he'll come and like D'Lo just has to look at him, and, and Vando will Vando will come over to screen for him. Vando will cut that baseline for those D'Lo passes that you know the, the slip passes that he likes to make. Um, so so I, I you know I think it's good for him. It's just. It's weird, man. We've got so many new guys in the lineup. I think he's one of the guys who's probably been affected, the role players that's been affected by the new guys uh, being added to yeah. the team. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree with that, with Vando, and just connecting that to, to I guess, the final guy I wanted to really get on tonight was uh, D'Lo, man. Return tonight, I thought, you know, he was in control. Misses, I think, first four threes tonight, but then – had the one, and I knew another one was coming. Like, you know, like once he hit the one, Vinay, I knew mm -hmm. one more three was definitely coming, and he takes the transition, no, 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 yes, kind of three that that, that yeah. goes in um, to kind of push our lead more. But I think, like, we miss that. And I just – I sure. don't mean just miss D'Lo. We miss that D'Lo, right? Like, we don't miss the – he had a fine box score game, but that Minnesota game, he was very dejected is the word I use. Like, I was benched, right, for – cam reddish like you're gonna bench me all right this is what you're gonna get you're gonna get very yeah. passive shots um you know even the game in chicago right was was really bad for him so like i've i've, I've we missed this delo the swagger the juice the bravado like just be able to go up and like have some confidence play with take some risks like even as a passer like i think that that's just stuff that's part of his game that that we miss. And I think we like delo can't be an eight and two guy on this team you know like no. like to me like that's this team is gonna like really hurt themselves if, if he kind of puts himself into the in that kind of that that box. But I thought he played really well. This is the kind of floor that we need for him. Um, he finishes with what thirteen and six. Yeah, it's closer to where like I'd hope for him one steal as well. Like I think that's more of his floor that he can get to. And even off the bench, I think he can kind of reach that. And uh, I'm sure he was upset he didn't close this one. Um, got benched for uh he got pulled I think for Torian, but. I thought he had a really nice floor game. He was 5 for 14, which people will hang on to. But sometimes with D'Lo, it's not about the shooting numbers. Like, his floor game, I thought, tonight was was really solid. And, like, him just having the backup point guard spot uh, be, like, a controlled action for him. Yeah. But, like, what, what do you what No, do you no, I'm laughing there? because this this tweet just hit my timeline. It's a – they asked Torian Prince about the – making it – hitting the three after – Oh, five. yeah. Norman Powell, and he said, and Torian, uh, Torian's response to it is, uh, I knew when I made that big mistake, I was going to try and get as close to him as possible without fouling him. Immediately, I wanted to get that play back. 
when the opportunity came, I took advantage of it. And I was just like, dude, if I'm in that media room, if I write it, I'm like, yeah, you did. Because <laughs> we, we, we would have killed you, bro. <laughs> the fans would have that, – that play would have been the low light of the night. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you lose that game, like like Torian just being dumb. And then, you know, as, as a result, Ham playing him in, in that crucial moment. Uh, but, yeah, you, I, I, you know, I think you're right. The Lakers, you were talking about D'Lo and giving him – sort of his own unit. And that's essentially what it was, but Austin now out of the unit, mm-hmm. you know, the last pod we talked about there, Austin's shots go down. Austin's usage goes down when he plays next to D'Lo. And I think that was part of the reason why they took Austin out of that starting lineup. Obviously everybody talks about the defense, which is entirely fair. You know, D'Lo, Austin and Torian was not a good, good um, perimeter defense. And with Braun selective a little bit early on in the season about how he was going to play defense and rebound, that hurt the Lakers a lot. Um, and so they end up pulling Austin, bringing Cam more defensive resistance. But now with Austin in the starting lineup, you basically have the off-ball scoring guard who probably has the scoring profile that fits next to a LeBron James starting, you know, main attraction sort of offense, which is Austin can shoot threes off the ball. Austin can attack the rim. He can attack the mid-range. He's a little bit more balanced of a score, willing to be balanced. He can draw fouls. He can play through physicality, that sort of thing. So I think like in a weird organic way, cosmically organic way, we've come yeah. to a lineup, maybe one more tweak with the Cam Reddish thing, but we've come to the correct, closer to a correct lineup that that would make a lot of sense for this team. But I think the, the beneficial part of it, though I'm sure D'Lo doesn't want to come off the bench, he believes he's a starter, is that D'Lo essentially gets his own unit. There's no hierarchy questions with that unit when he's the guy who's coming off the bench. He gets to run the show. Nobody conflicts with him. Um, mm-hmm. he gets the reps that he wants. He gets the shots that he wants. And look, sometimes he's going to take those irrational, what we would say is irrational threes as fans. But for D'Lo, those are the kinds of threes that that can break break a game wide open. And we've seen him do that for us before. So maybe it's just again better balance, just something that that that's working out organically better for the better for him. So you, so you mentioned something in there which kind of connects what I'm saying. This is the tough part, right? You. You talked about this on Twitter a little bit. That got a little bit of pushback, but like the agents kind of talking to mm. um, whoever, right? And you know, uh, McMenamin tweeted out today that uh, D'Lo declined to speak to reporters after the game, uh, so yep. he returned tonight and declined to speak. And look, do I want D'Lo happy that he's come off the bench? I mean, I don't know. Like, I think he's a competitor. He's gonna want to start. Also, like. Guards who come off the bench don't get the contract that he's getting. You know what I mean? So like, you know, that's that's a that's a very human element to this too, right? I'm sure like uh, the, the other guy coming off the bench, Austin Reeves, already got his long term deal, right? He's on a yeah. long term deal. D'Lo has a has a second year, but it's an option, and obviously he knows the trade you know situation that's coming in a few weeks. So I think that's an interesting kind of nugget to this as well in terms of like the off the bench role and how much he buys into that. But for one game for tonight, I thought he bought into it as well as you can ask. But I think that's an interesting part of it too, just combining that with the not wanting to speak to reporters. And I'm not sure his reasoning for that, but I think that was an interesting kind of uh, nugget posted out there um, by Dave McMenamin. But um, yeah, I thought D'Lo had a really solid nine and this team needs him. Like there's just not enough talent for lack of a better word, like in terms of with Gabe Hurd as well. Like I, I just think they need a guard like him. Uh, yeah. Lakers did sign a guard over the weekend. Uh, t- Dylan, uh, Dylan Windler. Windler? Dylan yeah. Windler, yes. 
They signed another uh, 6'6 guard who got like 33 rebounds today in a game. I don't care where. I don't care where you. I don't care where you get those. Whether that's at LA Fitness or you get that in a G League game, that is freaking impressive. So at a at 6'6 a guard as well, getting 33 rebounds. You know how that works. I have to go watch. I think he was he was playing for the Cavs. I want to say he was in like the Cavs rotation a little Mm -hmm. bit earlier, and then he got he got moved down to the G League Westchester Knicks. Yeah, and then we got him. He was a, was a first round pick. 2019 first round pick no it's like 26 yeah 26 overall pick to cleveland i have that correct bounced around a little bit was in the knicks g league was in the Cavs g league um but has been like i think he was a little solid to start and then kind of uh trickled off his career but no uh yeah d-lo d-lo was um was really solid and, and they'll need that but uh yeah i, I don't know Vinay. this is a good win but i just i have a hard time kind of processing that with with what you know what what transpired um before so they're gonna have to show it in these next few games but this is definitely yeah. a good start good team win hopefully Rui Rui I think has had the worst injury luck of this year just absolutely going Terrible. going out um yeah but hopefully he gets back yeah so it's I guess a sort of the last last thought like and as we, I'm trying to think of like different things that that have gone on in this game like we, we could talk about the ham stuff because he gave another insane answer he got asked an insane question and I <laughs> and he responded with an insane answer so maybe we'll, we'll talk about that a little like I just want to bring that up on, on this right like and, and I think I quote tweeted it that it was an insane question so Jovan I don't know if Jovan was the one who asked this question but he said that somebody asked ham this question of um like how ham knows because ham likes to say peaks and valleys of an nba season oh yeah there's different parts of it like the ham was asked about it yeah and he's like how do you know that this is a valley or a cliff that he and the lakers are facing Mm -hmm. so instantly as i'm reading this question i'm like dude this is a super loaded question bro like what do you what do you mean is this a valley or a cliff like what are you trying to tell like are you asking him how do you feel because the your house is on fire right now? Like, because that's what it sounds like you're asking him. That's a very like, I'm trying to think of the right word to say because I don't know who asked the question, you know, and what the intent yeah. was behind that question. But it seems like super facetious. Like you're trying to like antagonize the coach with this question. Okay, that's fine. Like he's the coach hasn't been great with his answers. The answer that he gave after the Miami game about Laker fans not living and dying uh, over every game. Like I even I was just like, all right, dude. You can't say that. Like, even if you feel that way, you can't say that to Laker yeah. fans or maybe any fans in general. Because we are the um, we are that one guy from Mad Max. If you see the movie where he's like, "I live, I die, I live again." Like, that's like that's how the Laker fan base works. Like, we every game is everything to us because uh, we just want to win. But Ham's response to that question about the Valley or Cliff thing is, "I don't know. I guess the velocity of which I hit the ground." And I was just like, this is an insane reply. Like, it seems like almost sarcastic. You know, like, you asked me, you asked me a very antagonizing question. So now I'm going to give you a sarcastic answer. So I was just like, this is now the second time I think I've heard, like, reporters kind of give like these kind of questions that are kind of very clearly trying to antagonize him. And obviously he came out, I want to say, before the last game and said, you know, I've talked to Jeannie Buzz, I've talked to Rob Polinka, and we're all on the same page. So until we are, I don't care about what your reports are. And yeah, then he yeah. took it like a step further and he said, I don't understand why folks in the media, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh boy. Name your sources. <laughs> yeah. So that was really good. Um, it's like a fun theme, ham versus the media. And I think it's been positioned as 
Ham versus the fans. But some of these questions aren't questions that the fans have. Some of these questions, are, I don't like. Where did this, some like where did this question come from? Somebody in the media like genuinely wanted to ask him this. So I think that's going to be a funny, funny thing to to Let's hear know. to see happen. But go go. So, well, what uh, are your thoughts uh, so Darwin can say what he wants, and I believe him that like yeah. he has Genie and Rob's backing for now. I've heard the same thing from Vogel. I've heard, you know, in terms yeah. of um, there was another game tonight, Vinay. Um, there was Raptors Warriors in, yeah. in Golden State. The Warriors got blown off the floor. Okay, home game. Draymond's not in uniform yet. He's on the bench. Such a strange freaking situation. But anyway, Steph Curry played. They got blown out of the doors. They got booed off their home floor. Booed. Like, you don't usually see this from Warrior fans, but, like, booed off the, booed off the court. I think down, like, 18 or whatever. If that happened tonight. Like, you could say what you want. Like, I believe Darwin's ham seat would at least be starting to warm up. Like, that, that pan would be warming up. Like, I I think he needed to win tonight. Um, oh, yeah. it, you know, it's a strange situation. The quotes have been weird, and there's just nothing, in my opinion, Darwin could say that's going to calm a fan base down that's, yeah. you know, just itching for a good season that hasn't happened in a very long time, just consistent winning that, that yeah. they were expected and told and, like, kind of realized that this could be that year, and when you kind of sell that and you come up short, there's nothing he could say. Now, there's some stuff where I think he can learn from it as well in terms of, like, taking a little bit of accountability and you know, citing injuries when the guys injured are Gabe Vincent and Jalen Hood Shafino. Like, that's just – and then your messaging with your players is so canyon size difference to where Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves are coming out and saying, no, there's no injury excuse. We're, yeah. we're healthy, and your coach is saying – I just think there's some communication issues there. But, um, no, he needed this win tonight, man. And, yeah, that quote was insane. That was uh, a little nutty <laughs> oh, about it. I love – velocity i hit the ground with i don't don't know like i think darwin is searching and um i get it though like for him i'm sure he's like from his point look he's like i was just in the conference freaking finals last year right (laughs) there are coaches around the i'm just in his shoes i'm not saying this is a right thought but like there are coaches around the league to darwin i'm sure who have not made the past the first round in freaking years are on like year four or five of their tenure he started two and ten last year. They flipped the roster half the year, half the year in. He gets that team to the conference finals. They come back. Um, he has some injuries this season. They're still like winning at a respectable rate. They're at five hundred. He's like, you're asking about my job now. You're asking about my job now. And yeah. but um, this is the city you're in. And yeah, you can't make statements like don't like care less. Like us yeah, caring exactly. is the whole reason this whole business model exists like like yes just absolutely. in terms of that but but yeah i'm sure he didn't mean it that way obviously fans took it as darvin you're not in oklahoma type, you know type of stuff but like yeah, <laughs> yeah you, don't, you don't get to yeah you don't get to avoid the yeah, avoid it's not the milwaukee but you know to, to be fair he did say that like the scrutiny comes with the job like he knows that the scrutiny mm-hmm. comes with the job and he absolutely. answers the genie and rob and that that's basically what it is uh, so the, I'll ask you, this is my last question. Um, did the play of the Lakers today on the floor in a very crucial game, one that I would say everybody, ju- not just the fans, I would say the media was probably saying this to it well as well, um, that this game would decide his fate, as his, his future fate as continuing as the Lakers' head coach. 
Did the team today respond like a team that believes in their coach? Or do you think that's Oof. independent of – is it independent of that? Because I can see people saying that the reason why the Lakers won this game is because LeBron was spectacular and AD was spectacular yeah. and the team played well. But the thing is, is that it's hard to just give credit just to the players when there are so many small intric- – like we just covered – spent an hour covering all these small intricacies that, that happened within yeah. the game and him playing certain guys. Christian Wood played really well today. LeBron played really well today. AD played really well. Max Christie played really well. Some guys played up and down but still played well. Cam, Vando, uh, Torian. These are all guys – the consensus feeling – I would say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, was that these guys quit on him many games yeah. ago. So if you are a team that wants your coach fired, this this would definitely be the game that you want to lose. But even when there were yeah. times where this team looked like they could have, you know, let go of the rope, you know, Clippers go on a run, go up nine or something like that, they could just be like, all right, you know what, whatever, we're not going to overexert ourselves. We, we just don't like yeah. this coach. We don't want to play for him. But they didn't do that. So you can't necessarily have it both ways, Raj. You can't just be like, yeah. and I'm not saying you, but just talking to those people. You can't say like, well, they quit on him, but then they won this game for themselves. I don't think it works that way. So what what do you take away considering that that background? So so yeah, that's such a that's such a like blurry line, right? Because like quitting on a coach is, is really tough to kind of analyze. Like when does that separation happen? And guys are still competitive to their nature. So they're still going to compete on the floor to a baseline level. I don't think it's quitting on the coach. Like, I have a hard time believing. But now you were just in Vegas a month ago for the in-season tournament. Mm-hmm. Seemed pretty bought in then. Yeah. Seemed pretty motivated then. Seemed pretty uh, good at executing whatever game plan was thought out then. You tell me that changed a month later? Like, a month yeah. later? But what I do think happen sometimes is like when guys see uh the execution not produce results at a Mm. consistent basis that effort into the execution drops a ton right so like i thought in the miami game um we we left a lot or who did we just play not miami it was memphis um we left dudes wide open in the corner that was kind of we left marcus smart open a ton of times in the corner Mm-hmm. That was by design, right? And leaving a guy open, like, that doesn't mean not guard him. But obviously, like, the, the defensive kind of game plan is kind of shade and overhelp. And I thought we did that so many times where the team kind of lost faith in the game plan. And, like, once the game spiraled, they were like, look, we're not winning this game. And they kind of quit in that quarter. Now, did they quit on Darvin Ham? I don't think they quit on Darvin Ham. They quit on whatever that game plan was for that night. Sure. And I like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't think these things are black and white to where like, yeah, since they, since this happened, they quit on Ham. Like, I don't think there's like a direct line or correlation to that. Um, And, you know, LeBron has had many coaches. I, I think it's hard to find the line to where, when he quit on David Blatt or, you know, whoever the previous coaches were. Like, I think that's a tough thing to kind of, um, suss out but uh yeah like i think they quit on like the game plan at times and i thought tonight honestly was a really good process game plan not a lot of open threes for the clippers not a lot of conceded baskets even terrence Mann is again the guy they want to shoot terrence Mann got what one or two threes up tonight like, yeah you know what i mean so like the game plan was a lot more i thought 
kind of nuanced and had context to it. And I just thought their approach, yeah, Terrence Mann, three, three, three point attempts tonight. Um, finished with uh, six points. Yeah, so he only made two threes. Um, yeah, I thought the game plan was just much better. Uh, but I think there's a point, though, where like a team can quit on whatever your execution was. Or like when we had Cam and Vando in that starting lineup, right? And I think we got uh, the Yovan report that came out that uh, Yovan and Shams came out with six sources. Yeah. That said um, that uh, the team was confused, to put it lightly, on that lineup change. And I, there's a point where they're like, look, this makes no damn sense to us. We'll go and play. But, like, yeah. you play with this already. You're already behind the eight ball if you don't believe in what you're doing on the floor. Um, it doesn't matter what the X's and O's are, how pretty your offensive scheme is. The players don't believe it. They don't, they're not going to get it. That's why teams don't run zone very often. Miami's yeah. the only team that can like get their team to like run a zone with a lot of belief and heart and passion and they run it the best in the league. Um so I think it's that. I don't I don't think they quit on Darvin Ham yet. Do you? Like I I just I don't I don't think they've quit on Darvin Ham. I and I know his job is probably safe. I just I think if they lose tonight in a like shocking way, like I, I think there was a chance that I'm not sure he let he gets let go, but like the articles come out, the you know mm. hands on thin ice or whatever. I'm sure that stuff kind of starts to really come to the top. But um, where are you at with this, man? I, I just I, I have a hard time believing Darwin's lost a locker room in three weeks. That's 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 tough. Yeah, I, I, you know I I think you know we were talking about this in the chat. Like I'm trying to pinpoint exactly what at what point he lost the locker room because that's the part that's really hard for me to to kind of figure out to some degree because it's like something has to happen you know like something very clearly has to happen like so that's why i was saying like we were talking to the chat i was just like maybe it was when d'lo got benched there's a little bit yeah. of like a sour feeling you know in, within the locker room not because of d'lo specifically but maybe some other guys also didn't necessarily agree with you know d'lo being the guy that got sent to the bench um you know uh, the, the team like, rallied base. around D'Lo you know what I mean like I just it just doesn't like yeah it no, no, fair, fair. but uh, you know it could also be because you know it's multiple sources and then today's report of the sure. agents calling out like I okay for some reason I got I got pushback from Braun fans for this and I was very confused why I was getting it but like I remember I tweeted I, I quote tweeted that and I said now all you have to do when they said that the agents were calling because they're concerned about their players minutes I said yeah now all you have to do is just cross check the minutes of people who have played who are not playing minutes and who basically have a contract on the line for themselves in the future and you you'll basically all you have to do is cross cross check those two things and you'll know exactly which agents have been calling writers and calling the organization saying yo what the hell are you doing and we know who you and i know who those players are so we're not we don't have to get into it but it's like that's the politics of basketball and i thought maybe one of the things that was causing the issue not that these guys had quit but there, there was no belief that he was going to follow through on his words, which is, I will find a way to get you into the game to get mm. you minutes. And I think what we were seeing, which is I think most Laker fans have astutely pointed out, that two starters in this lineup, Cam and, and Torian Prince, I would say Cam maybe more than Torian Prince, like they've basically had minute locks. Like they've just been always able to play 30 minutes a game. for, yeah. for like and It's not a meritocracy. It's not production-based from game to game. Like it had been for Austin. Austin had what a few games before he got benched. D'Lo had yeah. what a five-game slump, and he got benched. You know what Good I mean? Point. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. And so, like, 
Rui's never been able to crack the starting lineup or, or get serious minutes. Vando, we thought that Cam was just a placeholder for Vando, and Vando's never broken back into the starting lineup. So it's like you think about the human element of basketball, like all of those things are conflicting. We've been super high on Max. The organization's yeah. been very high on Max. They've invested a lot in his development in South Bay. Max hasn't been you know, breaking into any serious minutes. So it's like I think there was some of that. Where, where the, the players, you know, 40 games into the season, which is rightly so, 45 games, they might have felt, I'm never going to get a shot with this with this dude as the coach. Like, I'm never going to get an opportunity to show that I can be better than the guy that he's giving 30 minutes a night to. And that, that's a competitive spirit that happens within locker rooms too as well. Um, and to be fair, Raj, we talked about this. Um, and not something that I would say give yourself a pat on the back about, but – we talked about this when the season first before the season started and we signed all these guys. We said that the, the only way this team wins is if there's buy-in from everybody, regardless of their role, because now you have a, a lot of talent on the roster and guys in different contract situations. And so now sacrifices have to be made. A guy who yeah. has a contract and he's locked in long-term may have to sacrifice for a guy that's doesn't have a contract and, and, and is working towards getting that contract. That's why when Austin got moved to the bench, you know, we understood why that had to happen. We know how valuable, you know, what the organization thinks of Austin, but they also know that Austin's a good soldier and and he's going to not ruffle feathers uh, to do it. Now, yeah. if he, is, is his agent one of the guys that's calling the organization saying, yo, you need to up his minutes? Uh, I don't know. But what I do know is since Austin has been starting, he's been pretty phenomenal as our like starting guard next to LeBron, offensively at least. And so – Dude, it's it's I, I'm with you. I don't know if the team has quit on him, but I think the team is and, and this is not a player thing, it's not a coach thing, it's really that it's it's a front office, it's Rob and, and and the folks that that have gotten all these guys. If they made promises to these guys for roles and minutes and stuff like that, and the ham has to deliver, you're putting ham in a really difficult position to do that. And that's going to result in players sitting around and, and being good soldiers only for so long. You know, like they're, they're all, Cam's defense may be great, but if we're losing games because he's not knocking down that one or two, those one or two threes that we need to, if I was Max's agent, I'd probably call the Lakers and be like, yo, why not try it? You know, why yeah. is your coach actually no. trying to play him? And that that's not just for him. It's, you know, Christian Woods' agent's probably saying that when Jackson Hayes is playing and um, whoever would play behind Torian, Brewey playing behind Torian, if, if that's the, the sub. You know, he's probably saying that too as well. So that it's it's a tricky situation to navigate. But the the, the front facing guy is going to be Ham. Ham is the guy who's going to have to fall on the sword for for that kind of yeah. drama that, that happens behind the scenes. Yeah, and when we talked about this too, like earlier on, I, I said, you know, I I think Christian Wood and who's who's played well. I think Cam Reddish would be good soldiers on the premise that they're winning. You know, like uh, <laughs> yes. that that's the caveat. Like they have to be winning. All that defense stuff is fun. If we're the two and three seed, I'm going to get my recognition. Like we're up on the top of the conference. Yeah. But losing starts to fester in and like Cam is like, oh shit, I'm on one year minimum deal. Like I'm going to have to get some numbers up here. I'm going to have to average like 10 points a game. I'm not yeah. saying this has already creeped into his mindset. I'm just thinking even this, even if it's some subconscious to him, like I'm sure he's thinking like, look, I need to, I need to score more. Like I'm playing defense. It's not leading to any wins like why should i continue to bust my ass on the defensive end if, if it's not kind of leading in to anything christian woodsman i think a pretty good soldier as well but if he's if we're if he's collecting dmps and the team is losing 
Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to sit there quietly. And again, I'm not saying these are the guys that are calling, but um, like I'm sure there's some frustrations there. Max Christie as well, I think, has played really well. I'm sure Max looks at it like I'm better than the guy that's starting in my yeah. position. Like I, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I can hundred percent. I, I can't even, and I I can't even get a minutes left, and I'm a free agent this summer, you know, or a restricted free agent. However, his kind of contract works. Is he? Unrestricted? I don't know if he's unrestricted or restricted, but I know he has some kind of contract stipulation yeah. coming this summer that we have to already decide on um, with Max. But like, yeah, I'm sure that's a tough part about it as well. We talked about D'Lo earlier, who's off the bench now, and like just putting putting it blunt, like bench players don't get paid like starters. That's just how the league works. Um, yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like if D'Lo ends up coming off the bench more than he starts this season, hundred percent affects the contract he's getting this summer. One thousand percent. Um, so I think all those are like factors this team has to kind of get into it. My my opinion, Vinay, is like this should be like a meritocracy. Like you're 17 and 19. Agree. That's the best player should play. Like yes. Whether that's Austin and Max starting, whether that's whatever that is, that should be Darvin Ham's goal. I remember um, Jason Kidd. They brought on Javel McGee, paid him a three years, some some contract promised JaVale McGee a starter job that was sort that was uh part of the report when he signed three games in they found out JaVale was not good Jason Kidd yeah. him. DMPs rest of the season did not play they eventually salary dumped him to Sacramento where JaVale's actually kind of rejuvenating some of that um energy big type of stuff he could do but sometimes hey sometimes that's how it goes like it doesn't work out how you plan and um, I'm not saying go back on your word. I like that's not my point here, but um, I'm hopeful there weren't like stronghold promises made on minutes and rotations on a team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis on it. But yeah, I think they're in an interesting kind of predicament with minutes and rotations, and we'll see how it we'll see how it how it works out going. Yeah, going, yeah, going and forward. I think you know recently a former Laker Malik Beasley talked about how he had offers from the Lakers to come back. Um, for, for what it sounds like, the 15% raise, the non-bird minimum raise for Malik Beasley uh, is what the Lakers yes. offered, and then Dallas offered him. But he went to the Bucks because the Bucks offered him a starting spot. And, like, look, for some role players, they it, – sometimes it's just basketball. They just want to play. They don't want to sit on a bench the entire season and do practice shit and only play, like, five, six minutes a game. Like, they don't want – like, some guys want to play. Malik may be that type of guy, and and – that might be important to him, and that's why he did it. But it, he essentially said he took the Bucks gig because the Bucks said you can start. And you know, I don't think he probably would have started for the Lakers. But look, some guy like when when you get to the role players, it's all yeah. about you know. Sometimes you, you think to yourself, mm-hmm. the superstar is the guy that you got to cater to. But when you're a team that has to win on the margins, sometimes you got to do extra stuff to win that role player and get them on your team on the margins. We said that with Christian Wood, right? Like we said, Christian Wood's most talented guy that's out there, offensively at least. Like the Lakers are probably going to have to commit something to him to, for him to play. Would it have shocked me if at some point Christian Wood's agent's like, yo, what the hell are you guys doing? Like he signed with you guys with the idea that he'd be backing up AD or, or you know, playing yeah. some sort of some role here and he's getting DNP'd and you guys aren't winning these games. So what, what the hell is going on? Go talk to your coach. So like, again, this is part of basketball. It's a business of basketball. It's a humanness of basketball. Um, I think fans don't think about stuff like this. Uh, so when I tweet about stuff like this, they get very upset at me because they're like, oh, you know, you just don't like this agency or you don't just don't like, it's like, no, this is like, this is how basketball works, dude. Like sometimes yeah. there's politics within in the locker room and, and there are promises made that the coach 
has to cash, you know, like, and, and, and that's a tough position to put the coach in. Um, but the Lakers are not new to this. Like they've done it before. Ham did it last season when he benched Russ, he had to keep Russ engaged. He had to have that connection. A lot of Laker players, Laker fans, uh, you know, didn't think anything of it. And they thought Ham just wanted to like save Russ's career. That's not what it was. Like that's the difference between us trading only one first rounder with Russ to get Vando, D'Lo, and uh, who's the third guy that we got uh, in that trade? Malik Beasley. And, uh, and Beasley. And instead of giving up two first rounders because we wanted to, you know, fans wanted to send Russ home. Those kind of small things matter in, in, in the grand scheme of things. And I think Ham has really, really got to be smart and, and navigate, you know, the personalities in that locker room. So hopefully this D'Lo yep. thing isn't a big deal, you know, him not speaking post-game. Um, but – you know, this is part of basketball. So, so hopefully, Lakers. Yeah. We said this a lot last season, Raj. This is the last thing I'll say. We said this a lot last year. Hopefully, this game helps flip the momentum for the Lakers. Yeah. You know, it's a turning point for the Lakers. We said that a lot last season. It didn't come true until the actual deadline came by. But this actually does have a chance. You know, we're still at home. A lot of go home games in January. Um, slightly softer schedule in January too, as well. So hopefully, we can string together some wins and get back over 500. That's my last take. Yeah, Lakers Clippers last time. Was that before the IST? It was, right? If I have that mm -hmm. correct. The it's previous Lakers early. Clipper game. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that one kind of springboarded the team as well. Um, last thing I'll have, just a funny kind of bit. LeBron was asked um, what he thought of the James Harding Clippers, and he corrected the reporter and said it's the Ty Lue Clippers. Um, mm. <laughs> said uh, it's not the James Harding Clippers, the Ty Lue Clippers. Uh, Ty Lue got his stuff corrected and five, it took Ty Lue five games. After that, uh, the Clippers started cooking. So I thought that was uh, kind of funny. LeBron with a little, not a shot, but a little nudge, like a little nudge at uh, the the quartet stars on the on the other end of at the under hallway. Um, I like it. Bring a little bit, bring more animosity in this league. Yeah. A little bit more animosity. Yeah, too too friendly. Yeah, plant plant the seed of doubt in that locker room, dude. Say something, <laughs> do something, so that we can we can <laughs> show that they're in some sort of disarray. Because right now it's always the Lakers that are in disarray. So yeah, um, they're they're you know, humming. Yeah. Uh, so as always, we want to thank the folks that joined us in the post game space. We appreciate you guys tuning in live, and we also appreciate all the folks that that join us later in the space or end up listening to this on Spotify and Apple, which I will upload tomorrow morning. Uh, for you guys, obviously, if you guys don't know on Spotify and Apple, there are video versions of everything that you just heard here today. So if you want to watch it again or share it with friends or whatever, just look up Lakers Detailed um, uh, and, and and you'll find you'll find video versions of these pods. Um, and as always, we appreciate all the support we get, whether it's a like, share or subscribe. Uh, and if nothing else, we'll catch you in the next one. Take it easy.